An air defender's mission is when something dangerous shows up in the sky, you go decide, is this something I need to worry about? Is it a $50 drone that some high school kid is just flying around for fun? Or is it a weapon system flying across the border and about to do something dangerous? If they determine that it's something that they need to take action on, they will scramble jets, they will shoot it down, they will posture in such a way as to turn it back, that sort of thing. Right. They were probably involved in the Chinese spy balloon we, we saw, I imagine. They, yes. Uh, we are building the user interface for that software stack. Oh, really? So that was a fun week Very, for us. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. Yes. Today our guest is Quentin Donnellan, referred to as Q by those who know him. Quentin is president of Hypergiant and an investment advisor to Spaced Ventures. He studied aerospace engineering at Texas A&M and holds graduate degrees from the University of Virginia and Georgia's Institute of Technology. I sat down with Q at Fed Supernova. It was the day after Hypergiant announced they were acquired by a Dallas private equity firm, Tribe Capital. His experience and passion for technology, national security, and startup may rub off on you like it certainly did on me. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas, a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on the show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. Well, Nick, thank you, and it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and yes, we have some very great news to share this week. I'm happy to talk about that. But yeah, you know, my, my personal background, I've got a history in aerospace engineering, software engineering, machine learning. And here at Hypergiant, you know, I've kind of brought in to do a lot of those things all at once. So it's it's been a blast. I've been here for about four, four and a half years or so. Um, my pathway started as uh, standing up a space and defense practice uh, at the time, we thought we were going to put satellites into orbit. We did some of that, and it was incredibly fun. But um, where we've landed on is we are an AI company. Uh, we are a software company. We build incredibly exquisite user interfaces and user experiences for operationally-minded mission sets, and it's it's been a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, you know we, we partner with Capital Factory on day zero. So you know we were a partner here uh, at the very beginning of things uh, about five five or so years ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, the great thing about Capital Factory specifically is you think about the partners that are here. Customer-wise, AFWorks, uh, an innovation leader within the Department of the Air Force, mm-hmm. we won our very first government contract with AFWorks, who is just upstairs. Uh, Army application. They're like on the other side of this wall, actually. Oh, yeah, there yeah, you go. Their, fi- their fishbowl has been here all week. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, the Army Application Lab is here. Um, we have done several contracts with them. Army Futures Command has set up shop here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Texas as a state is just incredibly business friendly. The talent here uh, in a unique way is uh, patriotic. They're proud to be Texans. We're proud to be Americans. And so building a defense company, building a dual years company in this environment, um, in my, my personal opinion, is uh, this is a second to none environment. Yeah. And of course, you know, local to Austin, you've got an entire cyber presence down in San Antonio with, with uh, the, uh, the Air Force is down there. Uh, between A&M and UT, we've set up an incredibly interesting workforce development program at the Bush Combat Development Center working with Army Futures Command. So for a recruiting perspective, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, tell us, like, how, how should entrepreneurs 
you're working in defense innovation, this this space, be thinking about AI. It's so pervasive. Like, what 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 is you know for for someone who maybe isn't as familiar with it, where, where what should they be trying to learn and, and go do with their business? That's a very interesting question, and uh, the caveat that I'll say before my answer here is I'm I'm not an effective prognosticator. I cannot see the future. Um, it's pretty obvious that an AI wave is. Uh, coming as a tsunami right down upon us when I mean, we see things like um, started with stable diffusion uh, last year and then chat GPT this year. It is obvious that something is about to happen um, in a very public way in, in ways that affect high school students as much as they affect warfighters. Um, and I have no idea what the bizarre of, of AI future is going to look like, but it's obvious, right? So if you're not thinking about incorporating artificial intelligence into your business, whether you are an ed tech business or a, de a defense tech business um, or retail business, you should probably rethink that. So I'll, I'll, say, I'll state that to start with. Um, where we have found success as a company is really focusing on how does artificial intelligence impact someone who is making decisions? Uh, and I say that as contrast to uh, a more traditional R&D-based way of approaching AI, which is I've got a ton of data, or I don't have a ton of data, but let me go get a bunch of data. And once I get that data, I will do things like discover how I can leverage the data to train digital assistants, to train pattern recognition. But the idea is this very data-centric approach that can only get you so far. Unless you bridge the gap between that path and the, the path of so what, like who is the user who's going to leverage this thing that can do facial recognition or that can respond to questions and answers like, like ChatGPT can. Unless you can bridge that with an actual use case, um, then there's this business value gap that you need to cross. Um, and we've started from both ends, but where, where we have found the most value is understanding who is a user, what problems do they have, and let me work back from, back from their decision process and marry that with potentially something like artificial intelligence, machine learning, or other sorts of traditional decision aids that can help them, um, help them, help them do their job. Yeah. And it does seem so obvious that this is a big part of the future. Why, why do you think entrepreneurs do push back on that? And if there's that, you know, for people that out there that are still hesitating on it, I mean, what, what would you say to them about it? I don't know, but don't be afraid, right? Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of the baggage that comes with artificial intelligence has been years and years and years of marketing. Um, insert your expletive right. <laughs> around around artificial intelligence, right? Companies saying we are an AI company, we do artificial intelligence, we do machine learning, and what they really say is we do linear regression or we have a spreadsheet in our company, right? I mean, it's just the most overloaded term, which means all things to everyone, right? Um, so that's one side of it. And then there's an another side of it, which is even if you, even if I grant that, yeah, there's a lot of baggage and misinterpretation and just completely useless marketing around AI, you look at something like ChatGPT, and when you interact with that tool, it does not take anyone older than a middle schooler to understand there is something there. Yeah. Right? So that's, right. that's what I mean. That like it's, it's obvious that these are things that are going to disrupt the way that we live our lives. And so if you take the posture of it's just another one of these marketing BS things, I, you know, I'm here to tell you that like something is different about these new era of tools. Mm -hmm. um, and if you aren't prepared to embrace that, uh, you're going to have a rough, a rough future here in the right. next couple of years. Right. I'm talking to ChatGPT right now about you. Oh, goodness. Yeah, getting, getting <laughs> questions. On the first night of Fed Supernova, there is another dinner happening at the Four Seasons. 
At this dinner, Q and his partners announced Hypergiant had been acquired by Tribe Capital. Founded by private equity veteran Connor Searcy, Tribe Capital has over $400 billion in gross assets under management and has participated in over 100 private equity transactions. Well, so first of all, I am super, super excited about this moment in time. So, so are we. A lot, of, a lot of our success story, and I think this is true of, of most startups who find success, is just serendipity. <laughs> um, I think an, an email just got shared or we saw a name somewhere and uh, we got connected uh, mm-hmm. with these folks. But David Stennett and John Hamilton at Tribe Capital have been absolutely uh, wonderful with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been working for the last couple of months understanding them, making sure that they are aligned with our mission. Um, by the way, tying into your question about advice to entrepreneurs, it's not just making sure that you find the innovative mindset on the government side. You need to make sure that the people who are going to support you financially have the patience, the time horizons, and the understanding of what it means to do business with the government. And so the team up at Tribe is 100% um, that for us, and I, I could not be happier. You know, we, we've been building over the last five years a company that is trying to find um, a place for dual-use defense tech type stuff. We didn't start out as a defense tech focused company or dual-use focused company, but now that we have found a tremendous amount of success on both the uh, government side as well as the critical infrastructure side, it's very important that we find um, an investor to align access to things that investors can, can align us with. Uh, with our with our strategy and so Trive uh, is uniquely positioned uh, since they have a focus with many of their other partner companies um, portfolio companies excuse me on dual use defense tech so this is a moment in time for us that we've been building up to but for me it's just I'm super pumped at the acceleration potential mm-hmm. now going forward you know Hypergiant as a company we are laser focused on delivering very exquisite user interfaces user experiences uh, but that exquisite user interface or user experience when you think about a complex ecosystem like the Department of Defense or a weapon system uh, like we're delivering for the Air Force that's one of, of many layers uh, that user interface must sit on top of a data fabric or a data ecosystem that data ecosystem must sit on top of things like effectors actual aircraft uh, weapons uh, systems themselves, um, communication systems, hardware. Um, it's also running in a cloud environment. It's running on a computer on a vehicle somewhere, right? So there, there's this tremendous uh, stacked required to be able to effectively prosecute a mission like air defense, missile defense, uh, or even on the commercial side, logistics, supply chain management, etc. As a company, we have decided that we are not uh, one of these giant defense primes who will build all of that themselves. We're gonna focus on that that user interface, user experience, and how we articulate artificial intelligence into that, and then partner with other companies that build elements of that stack. So the exciting thing about Tribe and their portfolio companies is that many of them help complement areas of that stack that Mm. as a company at Hypergiant, we don't focus on. Right, Mm -hmm. right, excellent. Austin's defense innovation community is relatively new, and it takes a long time to build startups. This makes Hypergiant's acquisition one of the first big financial outcomes in the ecosystem. Founders can learn a lot in this next part of Q&I's conversation. We discuss Hypergiant's path from initial government funding to participating in a program of record with the United States Air Force. So let's start with AFWorks. Yep. Uh, first of all, a lot, a lot of questions we get are, what on earth does AFWorks stand for? And I don't know the official story, but the official, non-official story is AFWorks kind of stands for Air Force, we are X. And so the idea is we, as AFWorks, 
I'm, I'm not co-opting them, I'm not part of AFWords, but they embrace that we are an innovative center of gravity within this giant bureaucracy, this giant enterprise that is the Department of the Air Force. Um, so, and they were, um, candidly speaking, one of the first, and are still on the cutting edge within the entire, um, you know, uh, Department of Defense, um, of driving forward this concept of embracing innovation, specifically focused on small businesses, shepherding small businesses through the minefield of doing business with the government, which, by the way, is not always roses, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, a, a small group of individuals who said, "Hey, let's embrace this um, innovation posture. Let's work with venture." Um, both on the government side and in the private sector to shepherd companies um, through that process of getting your very first contract with the government uh, and, and hopefully and aspirationally scaling up to um, you know, a place where Hypergiant is today where we're, we now have programmatic funding multiple years, tens of millions of dollars, but that path is, is treacherous. And so AFWERX really kind of led the way. Um, there are others within the uh, Defense uh, Department uh, across all services. Um, Army Application Lab is one. Uh, the, so, uh, the soft community, Special Operations Forces, has their own versions of things. Uh, the Navy, actually, I believe Naval X is here in Capital Factory. So that these, one too is in here right before when oh, you walked in. Yeah. Well, there you Normally, go. Yeah. So um, that's good to know. So it's finding these pockets uh, of innovation within the Defense Department has been incredibly helpful to us as a company. For those, for those listening who are entrepreneurs and looking for how do I get into the Defense Department, attach yourself with someone like an AFWORKS or an AAL or a Naval X, yep. um, and they yep. could be your Sherpas along the way. Yeah, and so let's just maybe focus on your experience with, with AFWORKS. You know, for Hypergiant, how did that relationship start and how has it grown to where it's at today? So AFWORKS has done something really interesting. Uh, and it, they've actually started um, a movement which is now solidified in law, which is something called the open topic. So traditionally, the way that government solicitations work, solicitation is the government telling industry, hey, I need a thing. And it's obviously a very specific thing. I need a metal widget that is five inches by four inches. It must weigh umpty ump, whatever. The problem with that is the government is stating that they need something which they may not actually need. The assumption there is that widget, five inches by whatever, is the best thing that they need. Oftentimes, the government, candidly speaking, does not know what they want. Hmm. And the people who want to help them find the best solution for their problems are innovative companies like ourselves. So what AFWORKS did many years ago is they created this concept called the open topic, which is we've got money, we don't know what we don't know, we don't know what we need, but we want you, industry, to tell us your best ideas, and we will award the best ideas with funding. Mm -hmm. Now, there's risk there, because what a, what a company has to do is then translate that aspirational, theoretical, I have a good idea, to a, a customer, you know, an actual, no kidding, someone who has a lot of funding customer, yeah. uh, but AFWORKS can open the door with yeah. you. So our journey starts with, we proposed something on an open topic with AFWORKS. We got funded, so we got our foot in the door. And then over the course of the next three years, we worked hard to leverage that foot in the door to find a customer, accelerate our funding, and grow to a place where we are now attached to a, a program of record um, funded through multiple years. Um, and and you know, we leveraged AFWORKS ecosystem of relationships, um, opening many, many other doors, uh, and also bridge funding to get us to the place where we are now. So it's been incredibly fun. And, you know, I mentioned that it's a law now because thanks to the work uh, in Congress uh, last year, 
every service must now have an open topic uh, going forward as part of their uh, cyber program, which is great. So Navy, Army, everyone who puts a cyber out, uh, you've got to have an open topic strategy too. Wow. So we can yeah, think we can think uh, AFWorks for that. I, I was aware of the open topic. I didn't realize it was institutionalized by Congress in that way. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, as of uh, last fiscal year. Mm -hmm. and can you share a little of the nature of the, the work you're doing on specifically with, with AFWorks? Uh, yeah, so we've transitioned out of AFWorks now. So, you know, AFWorks yeah, is yeah. not a customer, right? Yeah. AFWorks provides the foot in the door and it's on you to go find someone uh, who has that programmatic funding. So where we are now is we've transitioned out of AFWorks into um, a, a program office called Command, Control, Communications, and Battle Management for the Department of the Air Force. Um, and so what they do is they develop a software suite that allows air defenders to prosecute their mission. An air defender's mission is when something dangerous shows up in the sky, you go decide, is this something I need to worry about? Is it a $50 drone that some high school kid is just flying around for fun? Or is it a weapon system flying across the border and about to do something dangerous? If they determine that it's something that they need to take action on, they will scramble jets, they will shoot it down, they will posture in such a way as to turn it back, that sort of thing. Right, they were probably involved in the Chinese spy balloon we, we saw, I imagine. They, yes. Uh, we are building the user interface for that software stack. Oh, really? So that was a fun week Very, for us. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> really? And, yeah. And, and so how did you first hear about it? Was uh, the, the Chinese balloon? Yeah. Uh, uh, the official answer is I heard about it first in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. So you train that. So AFWorks and, and these similar groups are a little bit like a, a launch pad. And mm -hmm. they kind of give you a trampoline to jump and hopefully you land on another platform within the Air Force. That's and, correct. And this office is, is you know, where your, your, your next landing point is. That's correct. Yeah. Um, in general, when you think about uh, programs like AFWorks and AAL and Naval X that are funded with small business innovation research grant money, yeah. these are set-asides that the federal government has said a certain percentage of our Defense Department money must be articulated towards small businesses, which is great. But that percentage is tiny. <laughs> it's a very, very small. I'm, I'm, it's single digits. I want to say something like 8% or, or less. I don't know the official. I should probably know. Uh, but the idea is you as a small business cannot rely on scaling to a healthy level, leveraging just that small business funding. It works for a certain period of time. For us, it worked very healthily for about three years. But you grow to a place where, like, we now have to attack that big pot of money, yeah. the same pot that like the rest of the traditional defense um, uh, contractors are playing. And so, yes, places like AFWorks are a springboard. Yeah. You, you, you approach them knowing that it's a temporary foot in the door. Let me find a landing spot um, somewhere else. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. We conclude this episode with a quick jump past the Carmen line and a discussion about commercial activity in outer space. Right before Q&I's conversation, Russia became the latest country to attempt and fail to land on the moon. Then days after we spoke, India's space research organization successfully landed and now has a rover conducting research on the lunar surface. Many more attempts, including some by Intuitive Machines, who is featured in our Lunar Logistics episode, are scheduled to come in the months and years ahead. This new generation of space companies are aiming to help humanity develop sustainable life on the moon and leverage lower costs to orbit to solve problems on Earth. As you'll hear in this last segment, Q and Hypergiant have their sights set on this modern space race as well.
So space is an interesting and challenging and necessary domain. The thing about objects in space is that they're moving really, really fast. Also, space is the domain that communications happen globally now. So those two things, um, and intelligence, right? I've got a bird's eye view. Um, I can gather data from space like I can't from anywhere else. Um, and, and so those, those, you know, access to communication, access to data, um, and access to global reach in minutes, not yeah. days or hours, yeah. make space kind of this stitching fabric that all other, um, all other, from a defense perspective, services and missions are, right. are going to leverage. And by the way, others know that as well. So space is becoming a place where warfare is going to actually be conducted itself. Right, right. Mm -hmm. right. This kind of ties back to the conversation we had earlier about AFWorks. Um, when you approach the government looking for work or a contract, um, I think I heard Doug Beck say this, Doug Beck, the director of the Defense Innovation Unit yesterday, say that there are a thousand, two thousand different doors you could open. So as an entrepreneur, the question is, which door do I open? A door being a potential contract vehicle, a potential email address that I could ping. Yeah. It is almost impossible to navigate that. Mm -hmm. So you need to go and find these pockets of, of innovation who can help shepherd you through that process. Mm -hmm. AFWorks, NavalX, SpaceWorks, um, AAL, um, you name it. Um, and, and by the way, they all clump together. Um, so go, go find the AFWorks store here in Capital Factory. It's right down here. And they will tell you uh, where to go. Um, figure that out first. Make sure you associate with people who have that innovative mindset. Um, candidly and perhaps harshly speaking, not everyone in the government has that innovative mindset. So you, you'd be best as an, as an entrepreneur and innovator yourself to attach yourself with someone who's, who's similarly minded. And, and, and AFWorks uh, and, and those similar shops are, are great places to start. Thanks for listening to this episode of Austinpreneur. Don't forget to check out CapitalFactory.com to learn more about us and join our community. If you have thoughts about the show or ideas on how we can work together, reach out to me directly via email, nickspiller at CapitalFactory.com. Shout out to the Capital Factory Dream Team for making this podcast possible. And special thanks to Aaron Handworker, who masterfully recorded and edited the show.